0: All right. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the Book of Psalms, chapter one hundred and nineteen tonight. Uh, the Book of Psalms, chapter one hundred and nineteen. Psalm one hundred and nineteen. If you're able to, as you find your place, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm one hundred and nineteen. <clears throat> Anybody tired tonight? Amen. It's kind of that cold. It's kind of zapped all our energy, huh? So I'm gonna. I'm gonna no. <laughs> I'm going to preach tonight on what I have learned while working with Brother Jeff Glazeman. I'm just kidding, I'm not. I was talking to Brother Jeff earlier today and I said something about preaching tonight and I said, I'm going to preach and I gave him that title. He started laughing and Miss Esther said, well, it probably won't be a very long sermon then, amen? uh, Appreciate the Glazeman's, I've had a joy uh, getting to know Brother Jeff. I kind of really haven't gotten to know him much uh, until this last couple of weeks and uh I really like him. He's he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Many, 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 many trips to Home Depot. Amen. So two guys going to Home Depot. That's what I'm talking about right there. Amen. All right. Psalm 119. 119. We're going to begin in verse number 25. It's been uh, quite a while since we've been in Psalm, or since I've been in Psalm 119. And uh, so we're not going to go back and rehash uh, the first 24 verses, and really kind of want to, I, I did not plan it this way. When pastor had asked me uh, last week to be ready to preach tonight, I began praying, and immediately uh, God laid Psalm 119. We started this this year. Uh, while pastor was gone, he'd asked me to preach. I started a series in Psalm 119, and hadn't been in here in a while because of other things going on, and, and a couple of times pastor said, hey, I'd like for you to preach along this topic. And uh, And so I got back into studying it, and uh, man, tonight's uh, message is really personal and deep for the time of year that we're in. And uh, it's going back and forth to Home Depot and being in different stores, getting stuff for uh, the nursery remodel. You find a lot of people, even in St. Joseph, uh, that are very discouraged right now. You know what I'm talking about? You try to talk to them. You try to have a smile on your face. You try to show the love of Christ. And even in saying, hey, have a great day, they're like, yeah, you too. And so we're going to look at that tonight in Psalm 119 and how it affects us as a Christian. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse number 25. The Bible says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou hast heardest me teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of the wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth, thy judgments have I laid before me. I have, struck unto th- I have, sorry, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame." I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. I want you to notice verse number 27 and verse number 28. The Bible says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Lord willing, tonight we're going to preach along this topic. I really need some help. And where do I get it? Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to be in your house and uh, the privilege to preach tonight. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts as only you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What should be the most joyous time of the year that we're entering in, the time of Thanksgiving and the time of Christmas, uh, the New Year's, a time where it seems like things just are supposed to slow down a little bit, maybe take a little bit extra time with family or just a little bit extra time contemplating and being thankful for the things God has done in our life or has done this year in 2022. Uh, for many, it's a very hard and difficult, lonely and discouraging time of year. They might not admit it, but deep down inside, inside their heart, inside what is really them, uh, they're really struggling. And too often we turn to what this world offers for consolation and we Too often, we turn to what society says will bring us joy or happiness, but it still leaves us empty and frustrating. Truthfully, tonight, we find ourselves really wishing sometimes that we had help in dealing with life's issues and the things being thrown at us. And if we're honest with ourselves, and maybe with our brother and sister in Christ, we all face times of difficulty, do we not? Hold I know it's Wednesday night, 7.30, let's wake up. We all face times of difficulty. And difficulties for you might not be the same as difficulties for me, and difficulties for me might not be the same for you. We don't walk in the auditorium or we walk into the church property and immediately say, hey, here's my difficulty. We try to hide it, do we not? Maybe we try to mask it with a smile. We try to mask it with service. We try to kind of go through the motions. And sometimes if we're not careful, we have lived a difficult week or a difficult situation or difficult, say like this, a season of life, And in saying that, we kind of come to church with the mindset of, I really don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. I really don't want anybody to ask me questions. I really don't want anybody to dig deep. And so we put on a front and we put on a smile. So nobody has to know how difficult life really is. But if we're honest tonight, every one of us struggles. Every one of us has things that maybe we're not really willing to share with our spouse or willing to share with our kids or can I say like this maybe we're not even willing to share with our pastor but we have some difficulties in life and we get discouraged and, and we get frustrated and there's a sense or we'll say, there's a spirit of hopelessness that creeps in and in saying that we've got to look at some what the word of God says I want to give you an example of somebody that maybe we're very familiar with that dealt with this spirit of depression or a spirit of hopelessness is a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon we recognize that name often people quote or reference Charles Spurgeon but Spurgeon has been nicknamed the prince of preachers however many people don't understand his past nor know the difficulties he went through Charles Spurgeon was a megachurch pastor before there ever was a term The Metropolitan Tabernacle that he pastored in London could seat 5,000 and had room for 1,000 standing. And uh, history tells us that most Sundays, if not every Sunday that Charles Spurgeon preached, the place was packed out, standing crowd only. Most of the time, people were standing outside. I had the privilege years ago to take a missions trip to the United Kingdom, and one of the places we went to go see was the Metropolitan Tabernacle. It's not the same as it was in Spurgeon's day. Uh, but just the, the, the size of the building, the size of the, the church, if you would, and the, the, the size of even inside the auditorium, it's massive. It's huge. But it was here that he began a pastorate at 22 years of age. And they say that, that Spurgeon just preached the gospel straight and to the point. He preached heaven sweet and hell hot. But in his early 20s, after becoming a dad to two, two twin boys, he began a service, a service where there were thousands in attendance, when a heckler stand, stood up and yelled, fire, fire, fire. You can imagine six, 7,000 people hearing fire back in the 1860s, what transpired. And people ran on out and trampled over each other. And here's what took place. The resulting panic left seven people dead with inside the auditorium and 28 seriously injured. Newspapers across London, because they didn't have social media back then, cruelly and mercilessly blamed Spurgeon for the loss of life. The senseless tragedy and the public accusation nearly broke Spurgeon's mind. Uh, His wife would then record years later that there was times uh, two weeks after that event, within those two weeks after that event, before he got back in the pulpit, that Spurgeon would look at his Bible and just weep. He had a spirit, a sense of hopelessness, of helplessness. Spurgeon's mind would carry those images throughout most of his life. And two weeks after his tragedy, Spurgeon would once again get back in the pulpit at Metropolitan Tabernacle and preached to a packed auditorium. Except this time, things were different for the young preacher. And as he preached that November morning, Spurgeon made the following statement, quote, we are different, each one of us. But I am sure there is one thing in which we are all brought to unite in times of deep sorrow, namely, in a sense of helplessness. For somebody who was the prince of preachers, for somebody who, who, who we as, as Baptists and even Christians in general quote to this day, Spurgeon suffered with depression. Spurgeon suffered with hopelessness and helplessness. And so we find ourselves here in Psalm chapter 119 and specifically within verse number 25 through verse number 32. And we come to this point where as the psalmist is writing these verses, there's a sense of hopelessness or a sense of helplessness that we find within the scripture and we find here this that the ultimate need that we have in our life is not listen it's not medication it's not a sense of belonging the ultimate need we find in our life through this text is we need God's word in our life and so often we live in a society that is trying to fill the void, uh, trying to fill the void of depression and trying to fill the void of hopelessness and helplessness and we're struggling and man just can't get seem to just can't get the upper hand and we seem to be keep going through trial after trial after trial and try this and try this program and post this on Facebook. Where is the word of God in our difficulties? Where is the word of God when it comes to finding hope and finding strength and finding what we need? I'll give you an example. In a situation involving the law, we might consult a lawyer. In making a monetary decision, we might seek help from a financial advisor. Unless he happens to be the CEO of a crypto company that's going bankrupt. Don't ask that guy. Right? It's all he does is give money to the Democrats. There we go. How about this? How about a matter concerning our health? What do we do? WebMD? Google? So I saw a great, great shirt this week. This guy was walking out of Home Depot, walking out of Home Depot. We were at one of the trips to Home Depot. He said, and the shirt says, I don't need Google. I have a wife. That's good. That's good right there. I, was, I, I could read between the lines there, Brother Mike. I thought, man, that's a good shirt right there. I don't need Google. I have a wife. Amen. But listen, if we have an issue concerning our health, we often visit our doctor or physician. We seek uh, professional help, if you would. But what about concerning a spiritual issue in our life? Should we consult our pastor? Should we talk to the man of God that God has placed in a position of authority, in a position, kind of, like this, a position of care and compassion in our life? No, well, no, he's more than just somebody who stands up here and he preaches Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. He's more than just somebody that stands in the back of the door and shakes your hand as you go on out. He's more than somebody who shows up when you're at the hospital, He's more than somebody who just shoots you a text and says, hey, I'm praying for you. No, no, he's somebody that God has put in your life and put in my life that we can go to, that we can say, hey, I'm struggling right here in this part of my life. And no, I haven't talked to anybody else and I maybe haven't shared some things with my spouse or or with somebody else, but I, I just I need some biblical counsel in my life. I need some hope, I need some help. We face things in life and sometimes our mindset is this, I have everything figured out, I don't need anybody's help or advice. However, that's the wrong mindset to have and often leads to major mistakes in our life. Truth is, we don't have the wisdom we need to live life with no regrets and no mistakes. If you live long enough, you can think back to the mistakes you've made in life. You can think back to the mistakes and the shortcomings and you're like, man, if I had known what I know now, I never would have made that decision. So what helps us? What encourages us? What motivates us? To live life, even in this time of year, when everybody else seems hopeless and everybody else seems just that they hate life. Well, the psalmist reminds us here in Psalm chapter 119 that there's one sure place that you and I as children of God can go to, and that's the Word of God. So let's look at it tonight. Look at verse number 25. We're going to start off there, verse 25, and kind of walk our way through this psalm, and then when we get done, we're done. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. So here's where we ought to find God strength or hope uh, in God's word is in times of affliction. As the psalmist opens the stanza of the poem, he reveals the situation in which he finds himself. Notice what he says. He says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. It's a very similar expression that we find here in Psalm chapter 119 that we find in Psalm chapter number 44, verse number 25, where the psalmist says this. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. You see, the writer is conveying here the fact that he has been brought low. Can we be honest? With you? There's things we go through in life where we just, from a, from a physical, from an emotional, from a spiritual level, we feel low. We go through difficulties in life, let's just be honest, where we don't feel happy, we don't feel excited. No, no, we go through storms and trials in life, and we're not, our first response isn't like, praise God for this trial, praise God for this storm. I've yet to find somebody who that's their mindset myself included. Brother Brand. I'm like, are you serious, God, another one? God, are you serious, another one? Like, really, do I have to go through this again? Do I have to face this difficulty again? Lord, you, you said you never leave me, never forsake me, but God, really, again? No, well, that's our mindset sometimes. And here, the psalmist, in verse number 25, he talks about that time of affliction. He says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust, He's been brought low. And listen, you and I get to points in life and struggles in life and maybe in our jobs and our marriage or just maybe things we're going through and the way that Satan tries to affect us and the way that Satan tries to battle us and the, the spiritual warfare that takes place. And we are brought to a low point in life. We struggle. We get discouraged. Man, we might not want to say, well, I'm I'm feeling really discouraged. I'm feeling really depressed. I'm feeling really sad. We might not want to say that because of maybe some negative connotation, but the truth is we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been to a dark place in life. We've all been to a dark place and brought low. I mean, it's been recorded in history that, that Winston Churchill during World War II often spoke of what he referred to as the black dog. The black dog being that of depression, The weight and the responsibility for the nation of England that rode on his shoulders and just the 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 brought lowness. And Winston Churchill openly talked about his depression, the black dog. The writer conveying here he's been brought low and and what's caused him to come so low? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some grief. Maybe there's some sorrow. The point is, he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. You know, sometimes in our afflictions and in our struggles, the biggest problem we have is not admitting where we're at. No, no, we've convinced ourselves that we're okay and we're not. We've convinced ourselves that us and God are like this and everything's hunky dory. But the fact of the matter is, we're struggling. You say, How do you, uh, well, how would I know that, Brother Andrew? Well, because our spirit isn't filled with joy, our attitude stinks. Our Bible reading isn't there. Our prayer time isn't there. Uh, The time that we give to God, our walk with God, our relation with God, it's null and void. And We get to the point in life, sometimes we just go through the motions. Man, it's easy to check the box. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to uh, dress the part. It's easy to speak the part. It's easy to think the part. But truth is, deep down inside of our heart, we're struggling. And like the psalmist says here, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. We've been brought low. Maybe that it was not his grief, but rather his guilt, which had brought him low. How often we have reflected on some foolish choices, which we've made or decisions or things that we've done. And we get to this point where the devil just climbs on our back. Does he ever do that to you? Devil climb on your back. You do something you shouldn't do. You make a mistake. You watch something. You see something. You say something, uh, whatever the case is. And God convicts you. And it's like, Lord, would you please forgive me? And listen, God forgives us. But at the same time, Satan's like, I'm not going to forgive you. And I'm not going to forget about it. And it's like the devil literally climbs on our back. And while we might, listen, while our relationship with God uh, might be what it ought to be, man, the, the spiritual warfare that takes place in our life is real. And the devil beats us down and beats us down and beats us down. And here's what transpires. We try to go to the word of God and we try to get to that point where we're like, man, I need to be encouraged. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Man, I need to get my Bible. I need to spend some time praying to God. But I still feel this discouragement. Man, maybe we're just allowing Satan to get victory in our life because of the affliction. But notice here the latter part of verse number 25. The first part he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. And he speaks of that affliction, right? But watch what he says here. He says, quicken thou me according to what? Thy word. No, right off the bat, Here's the amazing thing. The psalmist acknowledges the affliction and will say like this, the hopelessness, the helplessness that's in his life. He acknowledges, my soul cleave it to the ground. I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. I feel low as all get out. And man, I'm just, I'm at a low point in life. And immediately he turns to the word of God. No, no, he doesn't go to Facebook. He doesn't go to a self-help book. Look what he says. He says, quicken thou me according to what? Thy word, thy Word, this is the hope that we need. The help that we need is found within the word of God. Here's the solution. we got to quicken ourselves to the word of God. The word of God has the power to direct us to the answers to our situation. That word quicken right here in verse number 25 means this. It means to live or to revive. So here's what the psalmist ultimately is saying here. He says, quicken thou me or revive me, O Lord. Revive me, O Lord. Turning to God is the answer. And it's easy for us to go through life and constantly constantly go look at struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles and we can look at society we can look at the politics we can look at the finances we can look at different situations and go I don't see God in this I don't see God in this I don't see God in this I feel lost in this man God where are you at in this man God I'm just so discouraged I feel so helpless so hopeless in what's taking place in my life yet I'm going to turn to you Yet I'm going to find. I'm going to put my. I'm going to put my face in your word, and I'm, I'm going to share. Toward the end of the sermon, we're going to go to a different passage of scripture. But man, I'm going to, I'm going to share a portion of scripture that has been influential in my life. Just in the last couple of weeks, that God's just kind of been like, it's been an encouragement for me personally, just in my walk with God. But do we go to God's word and really find the strength according to God's word? We saying, God, I know there's difficulties. I don't have all the answers. God, I know there's a bill here. I know there's a health need here. God, I know there's a situation here that, that I've prayed to you about all year long, and it just it's still there, God. It's still there. But, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn to your word to find the hope and the help that I need. He said, Quicken thou me. You see, the word of God is filled with people for illustrations and principles for instruction that were directed, listen, that were directed by God through his word. Brother Andrew, I I mean, I'm going through a storm, going through a trial, going through some sort of an affliction that I just, to be honest with you, I feel hopeless through. Join the club. We've all been there. But how much time have you and I spent seeking God? How much time have you and I spent pushing everything aside and saying, God, I need to hear from you and just you? A lot of times we want the one, two, three quick fix with God. I don't know, we go through storms, we go through trials, we go through some affliction in life, whether it's, whether it's uh, physical, whether it's emotional, physical, uh, whether it's uh, spiritual, whatever the case is, and we go through these afflictions, and we want God just to snap the fingers and it's fixed, it's done. And yet we don't want to spend the time going to God's word, saying, Lord, I need something from you. It'd be, listen, it's amazing to see what God has in his word for you and I, even today in 2022, that we can go to God's word and find strength, find the comfort, find the hope that we need, the help that we need. But then look at verse number 26. He says, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me, teach me thy statutes. Not only did he find the help from God and when it came to his, came to the, uh, the affliction that he was facing, but then number two, I want you to notice here, his, his tone kind of changes a little bit in verse 26. He says, I have declared my ways. Well, what's he talking about there? There's an admission that he gives, the psalmist gives here, when it comes to his walk with God. It almost seems this, that the psalmist is carrying on a conversation with the Lord in his hour of affliction. It's almost like there's this conversation going on, like, God, I, I know I'm going through this storm. I know I'm going through this affliction, this trial, but I need to have this conversation. There's some things that I need to admit or there's some things that I need to get off my heart. Watch what he says. I have declared my ways. I find that interesting because he doesn't say I have declared others' ways or certain people. He's said, I've declared my ways. When was the last time you and I went to God and said, Lord, here is my problem. Here is my struggle. Here is my shortcoming. Here is my difficulties. No, No, we can pray. Listen, we can pray for our kids. We can pray for our spouse. We can pray for our pastor. We can pray for our church. But when was the last time we went to God and said, Lord, I'm not where I need to be. The biggest mistake we make as Christians is forgetting where God brought us from. When you and I forget all that God's brought us from, pulled us out and established our goings and set our feet, when we forget those things, when we forget what he's done, man, we're headed down the wrong road. We're missing out on the sweetness of the fellowship of God. But he says, he says, I have declared my ways. Listen to what he says. He says, and thou heardest me. God, it wasn't just that I poured my heart out to you. It wasn't just that I said a few words. But God, as I spoke to you, you heard me. And watch what he says Teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy law. Teach me what I should do. There's a confession that he gives here. I've declared my ways. And his cry is this, simply this Teach me thy statutes. You see, the psalmist understands that the answer to his hopelessness as helplessness is found in God's word. The answer to our crying out to God will be found on the pages of scripture. Charles Burgess in his exposition of Psalm 119 said this about verse 26. That was a great quote. So I went ahead and typed it out so I can read it. So I don't fumble it. He says this about verse 26. He says, it is a beautiful description of the quote, simplicity and godly sincerity of the believers walk with God. He spreads his whole case before his God, declaring his way of sinfulness of difficulty and of conduct. The showing of ourselves to God, declaring our ways of sin before him without deceit is the short and sure way of help. So you say, well, okay, well, how does that apply to me, Brother Andrew? When you come to God in prayer, do you ever come to God in prayer with reservations? What do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? you ever come to God and kind of hold back? you ever come to God and say, Lord, I want to talk to you Deep down inside of your heart, you know there's a couple things that you really need to talk to God about, but you don't. Here's what he says. Look at verse 26. I have declared my ways. Here's what the psalmist is saying tonight. Here's what he's saying. I didn't hold back. I, I didn't hold back the inner part of me. I, I'm struggling right here in verse 25 with the affliction. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. But because I'm at this low point in life, and because I'm at this trial, I mean, whatever the case might be, I'm not going to hold back and I'm going to declare my ways. We want God to work in our life. We want God to answer our prayer. We don't want to live with depression and we don't want to live hopeless and don't, don't want to live helpless, but yet do we hold back from God? Are we willing to say, God, here am I, here's all of me? Or are we telling God, God, here am I, but you can only have this part right here because this part over here is mine. He says this, I have declared my ways and thou hurtest me, Teach me thy statutes. God, I need your help. Lord, I need need some strength. God, I need some understanding. I need some direction. God, I know you heard. God, you responded. Well, it's not quite what I expected. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's not what the psalmist says. Look what he says the latter part of verse 26. Teach me thy statutes. There was already a commitment within his heart. There's already a commitment within his life that he was going to do exactly what God wanted him to do. Where are we at in that tonight? When we cry out to God, when we beg God, when we we, we pour our heart out to God at the altar, at home, or in the car. Uh, 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 Monday night we were going through discipleship and talking about prayer, and, and um, you know one of the things we talk about prayer is that you don't have to be kneeling beside your bed, hands folded, head bowed. Uh, prayer can be driving in your truck. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Hopefully, with your eyes open while you're driving your truck. Amen. Listen prayer, prayer could be sitting in listen prayer could be sitting in the chair at the doctor's office. Prayer could be sitting in the chair at the dentist's office. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Prayer listen prayer isn't something that we just have to you have to do it this way or God won't hear you. God won't hear. You. No, no. I am thankful that I can go to God 24/7. And it doesn't matter where I'm at in the world, it doesn't where I'm at it doesn't matter where I'm at in life that I can go to God in prayer and have an honest open conversation with God. But do we take advantage of that? Or are we stuck on the mindset of, well, when I go to bed, I'll roll over, fold my hands, and I'll pray and I'll talk to God. Man, we have the joy of talking to God whenever and wherever we want. Do we take advantage of that? Man, are we just driving down the road? Lord, thank you for the, this 25-degree weather. Praise the Lord. I know for Brother Marty, it's probably a heat wave the last couple of days. All of us are in our parkas. He's walking around in a short sleeve shirt going, Hey, man, it's good stuff. No, oh, But seriously, do we go to God and say, Lord, I, 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 I'm declaring my ways. Lord, I know you've heard me. God, would you teach me your statutes? Lord, I'm willing to walk. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Why? Because I feel helpless. And you and I in this life, in 2022, no matter how much money is in our bank account, no matter how much food's in our refrigerator, and no matter what good things are going on in life deep down inside, listen, there is some helplessness in our life. There is a struggle. So well, I'm not, I'm good, Brother Andrew, I'm good. No, no, we've all gone through it. We're coming to that time of year right now where families are going to get together. <laughs> families are going to get together. Things will be said, things will take place. Maybe we'll have some memories of people who aren't no longer here. They've they passed on, whatever the case might be. And it's very easy for us to fall in that trap of just being like, man, life is so hard. It's just miserable. God doesn't want us to live that way. Look at verse 27, what he says here. He says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I walk, sorry, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Having confessed his need to God and having determined to walk according to God's word, The psalmist now in verse number 27 makes a plea. Here's what he says. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. You see, his desire to be obedient, sorry, he desires to be obedient, but he longs to understand. It's not just the fact that he wants to obey God, but he wants to understand what he's obeying and why he's obeying it. Although blind obedience is better than disobedience, understanding obedience is best. Parents, when you raise our kids, we have the responsibility to raise our kids. Do we, do we tell our kids, hey, do what I say, and just because I said it, just go ahead and do it? I mean, think about it. If you have a young child, you're not going to let them go play out in the street. Cars running back and forth. Uh, one of the things when we redid the, uh, the parking lot, we, we were looking at the plans for the parking lot. One of the things that was discussed with McFadden and obviously the pastor in the office uh, was this location down here on the east side of the building. And for years, for years, people flying through the parking lot, flying through the parking lot on the south end. And there's been times we've, uh, we have a truck with a trailer backed up to these south doors. And there's just enough room for a car to come by and flying through the parking lot, kids and buses and everything else. That's one of the reasons why we put the, the curb area out there. So they had to slow down and go around. But even today I was doing some, some work in the building just watching people fly on down, just speeding on through the parking lot. I'm like, man, I really want some spike strips just to throw on out there. Just like open up the south door and go, Whoop! there you go. But no, you're not going to tell your kids, hey, kids, don't go out in the street. Because what are they going to say? Why? Because I said so? Because I said so. I'm the, I'm the parent. No, no, you're, what are you going to tell them, Brother Joey? Uh, because you're going to get run over. It's not safe. You're going you're to explain to them why not to go out in the street. And here's what verse number 27, look what he says. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. God, God's not up in heaven going, man, I really want the Christian life to be difficult. I really want it to be hard. I really want it to be a chore to read your Bible. I really want it to be a chore to pray. I really want it to be a chore to come to church and serve me. No, no. He says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. When we allow God to work in our life, when we allow God to speak to our heart, when we allow God to do things in our life that only he can do, you know what it causes us to do? It causes us to speak of him. Causes us to give him glory. It causes us to look at life and its trials and its afflictions and its tribulations and all the struggles that take place. It allows us to take a step back and go, Man, I know I'm going through a storm right now, but God's still good. Man, God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. God still has a desire and a design for my life. He says, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. As we read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit illuminates the understanding in our life. Here's what takes place. We find help. No, we find help in the Word of God. We find hope in the Word of God. We find assurance in the Word of God. Man, I didn't walk in tonight going, "Well, it's Wednesday night. It's church." Whew, man, I really hope that I'm saved. Man, I mean, I really hope that I'm saved. I mean, I gotta preach tonight. I really hope that I'm saved. I didn't come in. I didn't come in second guessing my salvation. I might've come in second guessing whether or not I should be preaching tonight, but I didn't come in second guessing my salvation. Why, Brother Andrew? Because I'm confident in my salvation based upon the word of God, based upon what I did June 10th, 1991, as a seven-year-old boy. Man, I'm confident in what God's done. Why? Because they find it in his word. I understand it from the Bible. You know why we struggle with our spiritual life many times is because we don't understand the Bible. Brother Andrew, it's hard. I know it's hard. Man, I went to Bible college been in ministry all these years, I've read books, heard lots of preaching. And there's times I'll look at a passage and I'll be like, Google, <laughs> right? Come on, let's be honest. There's times we look at things in the word of God and we're kind of like, yeah, that's a good question to ask brother Andrew or pastor on discipleship on Monday night, right? That's a good question. Let me write that one on down. No, no, there's things that we look at the word of God and we, we might struggle with but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try and endeavor to understand God's word. That doesn't mean we shouldn't put forth the effort to really understand what God has for us. Well, why, why would I need to understand what God has for us? Well, maybe that's why we live hopeless. Maybe that's why we live helpless. Maybe that's why we're struggling through life or we don't seem to have the confidence and the joy God wants us to have because we have just purpose in our heart. And that's just the Bible. I open it at church. I open it during devotion time. I open it when we're doing something special, but I really don't dig deep in God's word To find the strength and the hope that I need. The latter part of verse number 27, look what he says here. He says, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Here's the promise that the psalmist makes. He says, hey, as I understand the word of God, I'm going to talk about it. Hey, as I understand the hope and the help that I get from God's word, I'm going to talk about it. That's what he says. Look what he says. He says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Well, how do you understand God's wondrous works? By finding the hope and the help you need through God's word. By understanding what God has for us. And I can go, man, I've been there. I've been in that part of my life and I felt low and I've been, I've been struggling and been dealing with this, these thoughts and been dealing with the, the trials and the afflictions of life. But man, there's so much strength in God. There's so much focus I can have in my heart and my life when it comes to God and his, my relationship with God. Well, where did you find that, brother Andrew? In his word. Man, I find, I found the help that I need in God's word. Too often, we're looking at everything else to find the help and the hope that we need. That's not God's plan. That's not God's way. So he says this in verse number 28. He says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. When he says there, my soul melteth for heaviness, there's a reminder, I feel like we look at this, that sin always leads us to heartache. There's not a person... We'll say it like this, there's not a person in their right mind that would say, you know what? Man, I've lived a life of sin, and it is absolutely phenomenal. You ever, you ever meet anybody like that, Brother Nathan? Ever meet anybody like that, Brother Terry? Man, I've lived a life of sin, and man, it has been amazing. I have yet to meet anybody who has that testimony. But Here's what I have met. People who said, I lived a life of sin, and was absolutely miserable. I lived a life of sin and I have lots of regrets. I lived a life of sin and I made some major, major mistakes. I lived a life of sin and I've got some memories from the past that I wish I never had. Now, You won't find somebody standing up in church or even meeting them on the street going, man, I lived a life of sin, living a life of sin right now and it's so great. It's so awesome. It's so encouraging. Man, it makes me feel so close to God as I live this life of sin. You won't find that. So, look what he says, verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. You see, grieving over our sin is one of the characteristics of Jesus Christ. In fact, in John chapter number 11, we read of Jesus at Bethany by the tomb of Lazarus, and that Jesus wept. John eleven thirty-five, 35. Uh, wept over the sin when it's sin done to an individual. We find this in Luke chapter number 13, that Jesus wept over what sin had done to a nation, the nation of Israel. He realized the fact in Luke chapter number 13 that he was going to have to follow the the Father's command and the Father's will that he would go to the cross to bear the sins of all mankind. See, the sinful and hardened hearts of the religious leaders had resulted in the rejection of Jesus, their Messiah. But also in Matthew chapter number 26, Jesus wept there in the garden and wept at the reality of understanding these people mocked me, these people rejected me. And these people recognize that I have, I have life in my hands. He says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. You see, sin not only breaks God's law, but it breaks God's heart. One of, the, uh, one of the signs of a believer is actual sorrow over sin. I only should read this verse out of Ezekiel, chapter number nine. He said this Ezekiel said this He said, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads, listen, of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. If God was to look down at Riverside Baptist Church tonight and was really to to come down and walk amongst us, would He find a congregation of people that were truly burdened over the sin in their life? Would He truly find a congregation that was convicted about the sin that was in their life? You so say, Brother Andrew, I have no sin in my life. Sinner, right there. We all have sin. We all have struggles. We all have things that, listen, Satan knows how to push our button. We got kids that know how to push each other's buttons, right? Parents, we have spouses that know how to push our buttons. All the spouses got really quiet. We all know our likes and our dislikes and how to kind of get each other going. Listen, Satan knows how to do that to you and I. Satan knows how to push our button and how to to get into our life and, and what sin we really, really gravitate toward. But in the latter part of verse 28, he says, Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Throughout this text, throughout this portion of Scripture, the psalmist continually goes back to thy word. Notice verse 25. Quicken thou me according to thy word. He talks about this in verse 28. He says, Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Everything that the psalmist is looking at in life, everything that he's looking at that's hopeless and helpless and struggling with and a frustration, everything he looks at, he goes back to the word of God. He goes back to what God has for him. Then look at verse 29. He says, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. If we know tonight in verse number 29, he says, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. The psalmist does not say this, remove from Sorry, remove me from the way of lying. It's not that there was a deficiency in his practice about which he was concerned, but rather he said this remove from me the way of lying. He recognized the fact that his heart was deceitful above all things. And so he says in verse 29, remove from me the way of lying. He recognizes the fact that even in his own life, he's lying. Ready? To himself. You know why often we're helpless? because we're lying to ourselves. We fail to recognize that we are helpless because we're lying to ourselves. You say, how so, Brother Andrew? Okay, we'll get personal tonight. It's Wednesday night. We're almost done. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, Brother Sam was here. Preached a revival. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Excellent messages. Excellent messages. Yet some of us lied to ourselves when we said something like this. I don't really need those. Or better yet, some of us lied to ourselves when the invitation started and we're like, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to acknowledge the fact that the Word of God's been preached. I'm not going to acknowledge the fact that that was right between my eyes, Brother Joey. Man, I needed that message. But you know what? I'm going to lie to myself and say that I'm good. And look what he says, verse 29. He says, remove from me the way of lying. Here's why we live helpless and hopeless, because we're lying to ourselves. No, we're willing to stand up and we're willing to say, hey, I'm spiritual. Me and God, we're good. I'm okay. I don't need that, Brother Andrew. But that person over there, man, Dalton needs this message. I don't need it, but Dalton needs it. I don't need it, but Mitch needs it. I don't need it, but Brother Mike, he definitely needs this. No, I don't need it, but they need it. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And sometimes we come into church, we come in with the mindset of, man, I'm good to go. I'm okay. Me and God are okay. And man, I spent five minutes reading my Bible and I, I prayed on the way to church. So man, I'm good. But yet we come in and the word of God is preached and the word of God is declared. And God works in our heart and God works in our life. And God shows us some things that aren't right in our life. And yet we lie to ourselves. And we walk out of here and we're like, I, just, I went to church. No big deal. Man, I'm struggling, but no big deal. The church isn't, church isn't important to me anymore. Man, we walk in and we barely sing. We barely crack a smile. We barely show the joy of the Lord. We wonder why God's not moving. We wonder why God's not answering our prayers. It's because we're lying to ourselves. And the psalmist says this. uh, He says, remove from me the way of lying. The way of lying. Listen, we will never be what God wants us to be nor desires for us to be if we continue to lie to ourselves. We'll never be that way. We'll never be the full potential God has for us if we continue to lie to ourselves. The psalmist knew that hidden deep within the innermost area of his being lay a desperate sin nature. Often that is often manifested by an avoidance of the truth. So what do we that, Brother Andrew? I'm good, I'm right. Listen, I'm right with God. Are we? Me and God, we're A-OK, are you? I am fully yielded and surrendered to God, are you? Man, we pastors have been preaching on Wednesday night about standards, amen, why bother? some of us hear the messages and we hear the preaching of the word of God and we're thinking this way and he started preaching and he's like way over here. He ain't over here. He's over here. And we're like, what? God wants all of me? God wants my whole life, my heart, my my. he wants me all, complete, whole? I don't know about that. We're lying to ourselves. Hey, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that preaching from brother Sam. I don't need that preaching from pastor. I definitely don't need that preaching from brother Andrew. Man, I don't need that. And we're lying to ourselves. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to spend time talking to God. I don't need to talk to God about my problems. I am good, Brother Andrew. We're lying to ourselves. And for us as parents tonight, can I just be real? Stop lying. One of the things that that we've tried to instill in our kids is don't lie. used to tell Micah, Micah, your spankings are going to be way worse if you lie. Okay, I did it. He'd still get a spanking. I've watched. I, I love my kids. I hate to pick on them. <clears throat> I've watched Micah do something, like specifically do something and break a rule, Brother Brant, that he's going to get punished for. And I go question him about it, and he'll look at me and he'll go, "I didn't do that." I'm like, "Dude, I just watched you do it. I just, I like, I have it on video. Praise the God for iPhones, Amen. I have it on video. I watched you do it. I didn't do that, Micah." I'm going to give you one more opportunity to tell the truth because if you're lying to me, your spanking's is going to be worse. I didn't do it. Okay, Micah, here's the video. I didn't do it. Listen, we laugh about that, but do we not do the same thing to God? Do we not approach God the same way? Listen, God's looking at us and saying, what about this in your life? I didn't do that. What about this in your life? I didn't do that. What about your spirit, your attitude, uh, your, your, your separation, your holiness? What about me in your life? I didn't do that. And we're lying to ourselves. And here's, look what the psalmist says, verse 29. He says, remove from me the way of lying. And are we missing out tonight on the hope and the help God wants to give us because we're lying to ourselves? because we've convinced ourselves that we're okay, and just because maybe we've been in church our whole adult life, and we've been in church, I've been in church since I was like six, seven years old. I've been in church my whole life, my whole life. But am I lying to myself when it comes to my walk with God? Look what he says, the latter part of verse 29. He says, and grant me thy law graciously. He says, hey, I'm going to acknowledge that I've made some mistakes. I'm going to acknowledge that I've lied to myself. I'm going to acknowledge that I've fooled myself per se, but man, I need some strength from God. Because then he says this in verse number 30 through verse number 32. Watch what kind of the tone changes a little bit. He says this, I have chosen the way of truth. What's the opposite of lying? Truth. Hey, here's the truth tonight. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Here's the truth tonight. You and I deserve hell. No, no, no. I don't care who you are. You and I deserve to die and go to hell. Here's the truth tonight. God loves you and I. Here's another truth tonight. So does Jesus. He died on the cross for your sin and my sin. Here's another truth. He desires a daily relationship, ready, with you. Not just with the preacher, the man of God, the pastor, but with you and I. You see, the same God that Pastor Marshall talks to every day is the same God that you and I get to talk to. The same God that illuminates Scripture for our pastor is the same God that gets to illuminate Scripture for you. Hey, how cool is this, brother Brett? The same God that spoke to the Apostle Paul is the same God that speaks to me. How cool is that? I used to think, man, put Paul on this pedestal, and I got thinking, I grew in my walk with the Lord a little bit, and thought, wait a minute, Paul's a sinner, I'm a sinner. Paul's no different than me. I could talk to God the same as Paul did. God wants to work in my life just as much as he wanted or he did work in Paul's life. But what happens when we lie to ourselves? We get confused of who we really are. He says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Here's what, here's what the psalmist said. Hey, I'm looking at my life. I'm looking at the struggles. I'm looking at the help that I need. I recognize the fact that I've been lying to myself. So here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to choose truth. I'm going to choose you, and I'm going to lay it out before me. I'm going to put it in front of me. He says this, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. You and I only have two ways lying before us tonight. We have the way of lying, lying to ourselves, lying to God, lying to reality that we're okay, that we don't need God's help, that we don't need, we don't need God in, in directing in our life, or we have the way, according to verse number 30, the way of truth. God, by the light of his word, guides us into one, while Satan, by his temptations, allures us into the other. Turn over to Psalm chapter 34. Let me give you an example here tonight of the help that God gives us and the strength that God will give us through his word. Psalm chapter number 34. My Bible reading uh, about last two weeks, I was talking to teens in Sunday school on Sunday. I've been in Psalm 34, just really reading it, reading it, meditating upon it, going back over it, trying to memorize it. Love to get this chapter memorized. But I want you to notice the first four verses of this chapter. Here's what God says. Because ultimately, we know this is a human writer, but we know these words come from God. Here's what he says. I will bless the Lord at all times. I have underlined in my Bible, I will. You see, there's a determination that you and I have to make when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to the truth of God's Word. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Through the difficulties and the good times. Through the storms and the joys. Through all of life, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now watch, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. When was the last time you really praised God? No, no, not during not during a song service, but really just praise God. Praise God. Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, I want to thank you for salvation. Lord, I just want to praise your name, who you are. Man, the God of all God, the God, the one and the only, Jehovah God. You're my God. The last time you praised God. He says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. And we teach our kids not to be boastful about themselves or about their accomplishments. I want to boast about God and what God's done. He says, I will boast, what he says here, in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, even those that don't want to say anything, even those that don't want to mention how good God is, I'm going to boast so much about God that they're going to hear it. No, no, those that, those that want to be humble, those that want to keep recluse, no, no, they're going to hear about it. Verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. It's not just the fact that he desired to magnify the Lord, but in the context of this scripture, in the context of the Psalm 34, there's multiple people involved. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hey, hey, let's, let's magnify God together. Man, what do we do when we come in and have a church service? Well, you said, Brother Andrew, we, we sing and we give of our tithe and our offering and we have a special music and we have the Word of God. Ultimately, here's what we're doing. We're magnifying the Lord. And the psalmist says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, watch, and let us exalt His name together. Let us exalt His name together. Man, mean, there is something special about a church service when everybody comes in and the songs are being sung and everybody's singing, right, Brother Bronner? Now there's something special about a choir. When you look up in the choir, that the choir loft is full and people got smiles on their faces and people maybe are getting a little bit emotional and they're singing about the glory of God and what God's done in their life and, and people in the auditorium are then impacted by the, the spirit of the music and the words and, and whatever the message might be relayed out to the people. Man, there's something special about coming in and watching God be magnified and his name exalted in a combined congregation. No, no, it's not just coming in gone. Well, it's time to sing. 250 under the blood. Okay, we're going to sing 250 under the blood. No, there's something special about us coming together and giving God the praise and the glory and the honor. It does something to our spirit. But then he says this in verse number four. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Watch. And delivered me from all my fears. We live in a society that is very hopeless and helpless. Can I say it like this? That even within Christianity, there is a lot. If you look at uh, a lot of Christian articles, a lot of Christian magazines, and maybe even a lot of Christian podcasts, I'm finding this trend kind of throughout the last year or two. And I don't know if it's necessarily a reflection of, of COVID or a reflection of politics. I'm not, I can't really pinpoint it. But there's this trend of depression and discouragement. Listen, from the pulpit all the way down to the pew or the chair. And we, if we're not careful, we get looking at what's going around us, and we get looking at society, we get looking at the world, and we really feel hopeless and helpless in life. We feel like, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of doing anything? Look at verse 4. I sought the Lord, and He heard me. Watch this and delivered me from all my fears. You and I can live life hopeless and helpless, but God says, I've got your hope and your help right here, but you got to get in it. Psalmist says, hey, the only answer I have to feeling this way, the only answer I have to feeling helpless and hopeless and discouraged and depressed and just frustrated at life and have so many questions and no answers, the only answer I really can come to is this, God's Word. There's a reason why our pastor says, read your Bible. There's a reason why pastor encourages us, read your Bible. Get in God's Word. Because if you and I just come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and that's the only time we open up our Bible, we're missing out on what God has for us. We don't have to live hopeless. We don't have to live helpless. God has the answer right here. But it's up to you and I to get in it, find what we need, and apply it to our life. Let's stand tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for the privilege it is, again, to be in your house tonight. Lord, I don't know how the message might have spoke to hearts this evening, but Lord, I know this, that you desire that we don't live life defeated, that we don't live life discouraged, we don't live life depressed, And maybe we're going through that right now. Maybe our spouse doesn't know about it. Maybe our parents don't even know about it. No one might know the struggles that we're going through. But deep down inside, Lord, we're feeling empty. We're feeling like, what's the point? We're just discouraged. We have no joy. We're just kind of going through the motions. Even when we come to church, we're just kind of going through the motions. And we don't really know the answer But the psalmist gave us the answer tonight. And the answer is, Lord, it's not more money in our bank account. It's not a nicer car. It's not a bigger house. It's not another hobby. It's for us, your children, to turn to the Word of God, to find the strength, to find the understanding and the hope that we need. Lord, help us to do exactly that tonight.